Welcome to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Claudio and Steve will share their business and life experience to help you grow your business and improve your life. Here's Claudio and Steve. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. I am Claudio Relsano. And I am Steve Mancini. We appreciate you listening to our show. This is a very important show to us. We want to have impact on you. And I say this every week, Steve, and I've said it to some people that we met today. I don't know of another show like this. We, we speak from the heart up. We talk about life experiences. No script. No script at all. We just, uh, things we've lived. That's right. Um, now, people, are, might, there might be a listener going, maybe you guys should have a script. No, no, no. <laughs> nah, it takes nah, away nah. the authenticity of it. Right. I don't like to think about what I say. In fact, I'll tell you, <laughs> and, I, and, I've, and I've mentioned this before, and I'll say it again. You know, a lot of people have heard me speak at conferences because I, I do a lot of cyber uh, security conferences. And when I get up there, people cannot believe the fact that I literally do not practice at yeah. all. I just go up and I just Spew whatever's in there, it comes out. But when you've been doing it long enough and you've got enough experience, you don't need to sit there and, okay, um, good morning, or excuse me, uh, good afternoon. No, no, wait, good evening, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. My name is like, you don't need to do that. It's the same with the show. You know, what we're going to talk about, it's something that's like we've been doing this, we've been dealing with this, I should say. For decades. Forever. Yeah, for My decades. wife Linda always says before a speech, you prepared for it. I said, I've been prepared for it for 50-some years. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's time to uh, kick on. All right, so what are we doing Topic today, today new beginnings. And it's uh, apropos because uh, it's the first week of school for many people, first week on a team, a sports team for many people. And uh, we'll deal with some of the firsts that you and I have encountered for sure. You know, the I, irony is I have a – I don't know why if I'm wrong on this, I'm going to go on a, a weird tangent. Does Chicago have a song, or is it only the beginning? That's what it is, only the beginning. Well, the Carpenters have uh, – we've only just begun. <laughs> so I mean, there uh, you go. But, All right, um, so let's talk about it. Well, you know, my team at Carnegie Mellon, for those who don't know, I've been the head coach at Carnegie Mellon University baseball for 19 years, and we just started our fall season last week. And we have a lot of uh, freshmen and even some students who've been. I have a senior. I have a grad student uh, who's playing for the first time as well. And – but let's just say for the freshmen, you know, the, the tough thing for them is getting acclimated to a new team, new players, a new coach. Um, and I'm different than most coaches. I'm very passionate. I don't do the same old, same old, you know, the tough guy act, the, 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 the pissed off at the world type thing. I don't, I don't do that. I'm just myself. And these guys, I always tell them, you're going to know probably more about me as a coach and as a person than you will of any coach uh, that, that, that you played for. But the tough thing, what people don't understand is when we talk about new beginnings and, and a newness of something, it's not just for the employee or for the player or for the student. It's for the coach too. Because, you know, I, I always say this as far as let's just stick with the baseball part of it, the hitting, which I've said numerous times, is the worst taught thing in sports by far. Um, but I don't care what you do as a hitter. You can have the worst mechanics in the world if you're hitting, keep doing it. But some of these things that I've been seeing, the pre-at-bat things, the, all this, and, and it doesn't help. It's just a, it's a, these coaches teach this stuff, and I can't stand it. If it works, great, but it doesn't work, but, but having said, especially on a higher level. But I have to be careful not to say that, that what the hell are you doing? 
That, that makes no sense in what you're doing. Well, I was taught that. My coach taught it. And then you say, well, your coach sucked. You know, you, you don't want to say that. So really quickly, so it's funny you say that because, you know, I, I, I'm a professor. Yeah. And when, especially I teach undergrad and graduate courses, mm-hmm. and sometimes students will turn something in and it's not written well. Mm-hmm. And I will literally say something like, well, who, you know, where did you learn how to write? Yeah. And they say, oh, that's, and I say, you know what? Go back and get your money back. Yeah. Isn't that the <laughs> so, truth? Yeah. A lot of these guys have gone to hitting instructors. Right. And, you know, you hate to be back. so damn critical. But I'll, if I'm not honest with you, then I'm not helping you out. Right. You know. And but, again, but at the same time, I need to prove that I need to prove that my advice though is better oh, than no the doubt. guy that you paid for. Oh last no doubt, year. that's well said too. And, and I don't just say, like they say in baseball. Again, use that as an example. Elbow up, okay? Why? Well, it, it provides more power. No, it doesn't. It c- gives you a level swing. No, it doesn't. Because how about if I like my elbow down? You make me cock it up. First thing I'm gonna do is drop the bat. So I explain everything that I teach, which is very simple. You, you can learn it in under 10 seconds, but very simple. And I explain what it is and why this helps you. I don't make everybody a robot because we're all different. I had twins on my team that batted differently. But these are things that all hitters, I call them the four sets of musts that all hitters have to adhere to to be successful. But anyway, not to get on a hitting uh, lesson because um, I charge for that but anyway but you know so we get, we have to get used to each other they have to get used to me being as demonstrative as I am as passionate as I am I don't just sit there and spit and say humble humble what the hell else these coaches say are oppo and all this baseball verbiage and another thing that I do that these players aren't used to just yet is for me to say after you get hit by the bus Steve get out of the way well the hell with it now I got hit by the bus as the bus is coming towards you, Steve, move, get out of the way. So what I do, and as a coach, I have to find out each uh, flaw of each hitter. One hitter may have too long of a swing. I have to remind him, long swing. One hitter, his front shoulder may be pulled back too too tight. I have to remind him, another kid collapses, another kid flies open. So I have, during a game, before his at bat, hey, stay closed, watch the collapse. Throw the, you know, before it happens. And if he does do it, I have to remind him again. That's my job is to coach. And a lot of guys don't do that. Number one, they're afraid to vocalize it because they might be wrong. They're afraid to be wrong. I know I'm not wrong. But number two, they say, well, the game is for the game. Practice is for practice. No, we want to win this game. I want to help him get better now. So, so in other words. We've talked about that before, the constant improvement. Constant improvement. People are, you know, when they're. Professionals are during an event. They are still training. They're looking at. They're mm-hmm. looking at the last play, the last at bat, the last shift yeah. on the ice, the last whatever. Because they're not going to go right back on. Right. And we've talked about that. We call that the after action of lessons mm-hmm. learned on the last show, where it's like when you, something happens and you make a mistake or things didn't turn out right. You need to immediately review that. What can you do better? Because that opportunity right. may or may not come right back around. And it's exactly. like, okay, I don't want to make that mistake again. But I, but but to your point though, it's not about the hitting. It's the fact of the matter is, is you've got a new. And I'm going to put it in business terms. Mm-hmm. You've got a new employee. Okay. The employee can be a student that's just started class. They could be a new player that just joined the team. They could be somebody that just joined your organization. You know, if you're in a business. And the bottom line is. You want them to jump in and be productive right away. Right. But you don't know them. They don't know you. And, and that, you know, I, I, you made me think of something. I used to do a lot of interviews to, to hire employees. And one of the questions we would always ask them was, 
can I borrow money? Can I borrow money? <laughs> we're going to tell you. That's an inside joke that we're definitely going to have to tell sometime. <laughs> can I borrow some money? Uh, and can I get it from somebody under the table? Um, so, but one of the questions we would always ask was, hey, uh, you know, you're going to you get hired. What are you going to do day one? What are you going to do your first week? You know what we never think about? What are we going to do for you your first day you're here? And what are we going to do for you your first week? Because it's a two-way street. Everyone asks the person that's coming on board, for example, let's say you're hiring a new team lead. And you say, well, how are you going to get, how are you going to know your new team? You know, you're the new person. They've been here. You know, how are you going to, you know, what are you going to do right away to earn their respect and to earn their trust? Well, you're not going to do it in day one. It's going to take time. But it is something that I never thought about that that is important when you bring someone in. It's not just what you're asking of them. It's what are you going to bring to them? And, and, and really quickly, I'll talk about like the university because I, you know, I work here at RMU. You know, when these students come on, the school is preparing everything to get them ready. You know, they've got like, counseling, both you know, academic or, hey, if you're under stress, we've got these other counselors. You know, we're working with the folks to make sure your housing's here. We're making sure that when you show up, you know, you have a place to stay, you have your meal card, you know, your books are ordered, you know, you've got your schedule for your class. We're preparing for you to come here from a logistics perspective and hoping that the logistics piece then makes it a little easier for them to not have to worry about these things so they can succeed. But I, you know, I'll kind of throw something back at you. As from a coach's perspective, you know, every year you have changeover in your roster. Yes, you get some players back, but I don't care what the, I don't care what the sport is, I don't care what the business is, there is going to be some turnover. So how do you prepare for, quote, that turnover in your team? Communication. And what I, I, I just, I let it all out. I tell them what I expect, what I don't want, what I want, who I am. Yeah, but that's once they've arrived. Right. What do you do in anticipation of their arrival? So, for example, when, are your, when, is, when is your team roster tryouts and when is it selected? Uh, our first day. I mean, we have a fall season. We have a practice. It takes me, you know, it doesn't take me long, to be honest with you, to figure out a starting lineup. I, I, this year's a little bit tougher because we have a little bit of a deeper roster. But I think the biggest thing is just right off the bat, first day, whether they're going to be on a team or not or whatever. I don't cut people. They cut themselves. But I just tell them who I am, how I am. I, I'll say one Well, oh, I would definitely leave once <laughs> I figured that out. Oh, Claudio, <laughs> probably, I'm probably. out of here. <laughs> but I, I've I'm been kidding. told a lot of these – Players have told me, especially when they graduate, you know, nobody was so honest with me or so open with me. Uh, I had my coach for five years. I didn't know anything about him. I've, and, and I'm just telling you flat out, I've gotten mad at players. I've cried. If I, you know, uh, they, they've, they brought me to tears that they, they would say, coach, we want to win this game for you. And, and God, I, that would just, that would get to me, you know, that I would have that kind of, that they would care for me that much. But so, before they've arrived, you had to prepare no, for that though. Prepare Again, I just tell them who I am, what I've, how I am, and then they find out. You know, I don't just say, "Oh, I'm emotional." No, they'll see that I'm emotional. <laughs> I just, they, I, I can't be fake. Like, right. like, like my mom used to always say, "Speak from the heart up, not the neck up." But so they know that um, that I care. And Dick Vermeil said that your players, won't, which is the theme of my book, that your players won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Okay. And some of my players, which kind of shocks me, maybe it's not as much as before, when I tell a kid after the first day, hey, I, I like the way you're playing. You're going to really be productive for me. And they're like, eyes get real big. I say, really? I said, yeah. Didn't you know, My coach never said that to me before because they feel they got to 
keep right. it distant. And I'm as I coach, you're the player. Yeah, right. I've said this and again. It's the same in business. I'm the I'm right. the supervisor. You're the one. And, and I get that. But again, there's a there's riding the fence in a sense. And I've, I've well, you got to maintain this. some kind of level of authority because there might be a time where you can't be quote their friend, and right. that's the problem. Is right. And if you don't if you don't establish that boundary day one, hey, I'm the coach. I'm not you know I'm not your enemy. I'm your coach. I am I'm the coach. But that doesn't mean it has to be an adversarial relationship. And, and let me say two things real quick. Uh, again, in my book, day of my birthday, after the game, this kid, uh, Nick, got me a – he organized a birthday cookie. And it just meant the world to me. The guy sang to me the whole nine yards, right? The next day, he didn't kind of run out of ball as much as I would have liked him to. So I got on him. Somebody said, oh, he gave you a cake. I appreciate it. But – I appreciate him running out the ball. The cake's already gone through me, buddy. Yeah, it's a there new you go. day. So I, I didn't say, well, you know. Now, another kid, I'll never forget, um, nice young man, Dan Evans. You know, you treat everybody equally, but you treat everybody differently. Right. During the game, he, I, think, I don't know if he missed some signals, whatever it was. And I got on him. And I said, how many damn times, you know, do I get? And he looked at me like I broke his heart because I didn't know him yet. Okay, we got along very well, and he liked me, and I like he's a great kid. This kid over here, I could get on. This one kid, James Langhauser, is a terrific guy. I can get on him. Okay, a lot of the guy, I can get on them. This kid here, I sh- I should have said, Dan, instead of getting mad, right. Dan. Gotta, look, everybody responds differently. Everybody responds differently. So I, it's not just the students, the players who have new beginnings. It's the coach. It's the right. it's the it's I've the president, the CEO, right. and this exactly. And, but it all starts with what I said, communication. It, it drives me nuts when people say, you know, even with their relationship with their parents or whatever, I never told my dad I loved them or I never told my, you know, oh, I, my pay, there was nothing ever left unsaid with my parents, nothing left unsaid with my wife and my daughter. But communicating, we're not mind readers. Right. You know, we're not mind readers. And and I want my, I, I tell my players, hey, I, I'm one of my players, Rainer Nunez, I'll never forget, he said, Co-, he tells the freshman, Coach's cadence, his voice, his, his him hollering will be the same when he says something good to you or if he's mad at you because, again, it's passion. But they know that. They they, like they're, they might be shocked maybe the first day, like our first game's coming up. Practice is one thing. But during the games, and another thing, uh, and I don't mean to say so much here, I coach, coach baseball, but I, I've been told I coach like a basketball coach. Okay? I, I pace. I don't just sit there and spit and put the pencil in my oh. ear and look around. I don't do that. I'm drained you're, after a game. After a, a game, I— You're missing the point of being a baseball coach, Claudio. It's supposed to just I sit there and watch the game. I, I can't do it. I, I, Every I just once can't. in a while, I'll go pull out. What was, who was the, the Yankee coach who used to pull up the bases and kick out? Oh, Lou Pinella. But he was passionate <laughs> about it. He cared. Okay. I, that's just not my personality. To, and some people, that's them. And you wouldn't want them to do what I do. You, you, Rocky I Graziano, cared. I was tossed out of a few games. Well, I've never been t- tossed out as oh, a coach. I've been tossed out of a few But games. Rocky Graziano said, told his family, Welcome let people be who they are. I just, it's just who I am. Nor would I tell somebody who's more quiet and more, you know, that's it, just who they are. Several occasions when I was tossed out, it was always me going to bat for my players. If there's oh, one sure. thing my players... New was, to your point, yeah. I'm going to give it to you hard as a player. You screw up, you're going to hear it from me. Do, just work hard. I don't care if you make a mistake. Just don't, don't, don't slack off. Mm-hmm. 
listen to what I'm telling you. And, and even if you make a mistake, I won't get mad at because nobody's perfect. Mm. But they also knew that if the ref did something or the other coach did something, I'm going to act with equal force. And it has resulted in my, sir, please leave the arena uh, now. Uh, and, he, uh, and after a few choice words, I left. But I will tell you right now, I feel vindicated because every case – I know in my gut. Now, I overreacted to a few things, but I was definitely right. I should have just handled a little better. See, yeah. I've grown in my older years. And go back and go, eh, maybe I shouldn't when Jim, you mentioned interviews, the referee. When Jim Valvano was an AD at NC State, he was also the head coach, when he would interview an assistant, you know, he would interview him back and forth, and the assistant would say, so what's the uh, dental plan? to Coach Valvano. Valvano would say, well, if you lose, they bash our teeth in. And then he would never hire that guy. You know, what dental plan? What are you talking about dental plan? You know. Like, oh, that's funny. Um, but I want to, let's, but again, let's transfer this over to the business world because there is applicability. You know, I asked you kind of what you prepared for new employees. And, there, you know, there's two parts to preparation for a new employee. Whether that employee is going to be your subordinate or your superior. So, again, somebody's hiring they might be hiring a new manager, a new supervisor. They might be hiring somebody you know, low on the food chain. Doesn't matter. The people that are there have to expect things. So there's a logistics piece you know, from a business. Hey, make sure their email's set up. Make sure their office box sure. is set up. Make sure they got a computer. You know, all that, you know, that technical stuff, depending on where you work. Or make sure your tool's there. Whatever it is. But there's also, okay, we're going to have a new person in here. And we're going to want to get to know them. You know, whether it's the boss Here's flowers, boss. I love you. You're going to be the best boss I ever had, of course. But there is a form of, of getting to know them. You know, whether it's a new employee. Okay, they're coming in here. We want them to be part of the team quickly. What do we want them to know? How do we engage with them quickly so that they can come in here and not just be the person sitting in the wall? And, and a lot of times we, we expect the new employee to come in there and ask a bunch of questions and jump right in. It's like, every, to your point, Every player, every employee, every supervisor is going to be different. Not every supervisor that comes in there is necessarily loud and forceful. It doesn't mean they're not an effective supervisor. They may have a more tactful approach, and they come in there, and you think, oh, they're very soft-spoken. They're not jumping in. Oh, they're going to be weak. I can walk all over them. You might be misreading that person. Yeah. So there is a, a mental and emotional and an intellectual preparation that you've got to do for the, the new person that's coming in, as well as now kind of like what we're thinking along the lines of I'm the new person joining the team. I need to make sure I am prepared logistically. You know, we talked about students. I've got to make sure, you know, I got to have my notebook. I got to have my pencils, my notepad, my books and all that stuff. But I've also got to, you know, especially think like a college student. You've been in high school. You're living at home. That's now, a good point. I mean, now all of a sudden you're living at a university. First time living away from home. Hey, guess what? Nobody's going to babysit you and say you got to wake up and go to class. You might, you say, you know what? I didn't know I could sleep in for class. I can get, I can quote, get hammered because, you know, I just happen to be 21 freshmen, right? Wink, wink. You know, whatever. Or I just slay out late. Watch me. Whatever it is. Just jokingly say that. But the point is, no, I don't have to get up at 7 o'clock and go to school because mom or dad's not yelling at me in the morning. So now I sleep and I miss my class. You know, there's a mental, there's a mental transition. You know, when I went off to the military, I, was eight, I just turned 18 years old. I didn't have to prepare for nothing. They knew what they were getting. They're coming, okay, we're getting at some 18-year-old, whether they had to get up early or not, whether mom made their bed or not, whether they you know, knew how to fold their clothes or not, we're going to make sure they know how to do it. So we're not even going to wait to figure out you know, what you know, 
we don't want to get to know you. You're going to get to know us. So yeah. day one, you know, they're screaming at you. You know, they're running you around, and you're like, okay, okay. Again, mental mental transition. And I think people don't appreciate that when you go out of your comfort zone into a new environment, there is some inherent stress on them. Oh, sure. I mean, even going to a new team. Hey, I've played baseball or hockey or football, basketball my whole life. Going to a new team. Think for professionals. Why does a professional think about a superstar? They get traded to a new team. Say, oh, why don't they perform? Hey, maybe they had to move their family. They got to get a new home. They're going to a new, you know, they, they've gotten out of their routine. They used to like having that third locker from the door, and it was their comfort zone. I go over there, and that's where I always look. Now, all of a sudden, I'm the 12th locker from the, the room. The room's a different shape, different colors, different. You, everything's different now, and I've got to, okay, now I've got to perform at that same level. And most do, but some don't. And then they get traded to another team, and all of a sudden, it clicks. And then they, you know, now... Whatever it is, something clicked. They found a comfort zone there. That's a great point. There was a guy before the Super Bowl, before he gets on the bus to go to the airport to go to the Super Bowl. His wife says, what's going to happen after the Super Bowl? Oh, I don't know. Get ready for next year. How about if you get traded to Houston? Well, then I have to go to Houston. How about if I don't want to go to Houston? You know, there's so much. People see these big contracts. Oh, yeah. But you're, you're exactly right. And, and it, I don't want to hear when people say, well, when you get between the white lines, no, you're a human being. You're a human being. But another thing for me, whenever I started, uh, when I was an assistant, believe it or not, it was harder for me to be an assistant coach than it is to be a head coach. Because as an assistant, you have boundaries. And maybe your philosophies uh, don't mix well with the head coach. Or maybe your personality doesn't mix well. Uh, this one place I worked at, uh, the personalities didn't mesh because I had one and he didn't. But, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was tough for me to coach because uh, being, even though I worked very hard and I was good as an assistant, I'm much better as a head coach. But I, so I try to understand when somebody comes to me new. That's why, again, communicate. Yes, I'll, I'll give a, a speech to the entire team. But then as we go along, I go to the player individually. I want to find out, you know, about their family and, and you know, their girlfriends, where are they at, are they here at school, and so on and so forth. And it's sincere, and it's sincere, and and and, and uh, you know, because they're humans, you know, they're, they're all human. Well, you and this put is, them at ease. Yeah, you got to put you them at ease. Drop the stress level. Exactly. You just want them to focus on the game. Right. You don't want them. And everybody knows where they stand with me, and they know that I care. And I tell them, you can be hitting a buck fifty, three fifty. If you need me at 3 in the morning, I'm there. And they've never heard that before. But I try to provide a culture for them to succeed because I don't care what it is you do. At first, you're always going to be uncomfortable. And I do everything I can to make them too comfortable because if they're uncomfortable, they're not going to perform well. It's so, as simple as that. So I'm going to transition. And again, this isn't a sports show, but I didn't want to ask you that question because you know every, every professional sport has a trade deadline. And there's always this belief that, oh, if they go out and get this person, how many times has that not worked? Oh, it's not, there's a lot of times it right. doesn't work. A lot of times and, it and does. It, right. It, it's, I, I, I would love to they, see they that. They say stuff. missing piece. I, I know when you say that, remember the 79 Pirates, they were in the playoffs or a threat to make the playoffs every year, right? In 79. A long time ago. A long Bobby. time ago. <laughs> two guys, two guys that were the missing pieces. Tim Foley who was a shortstop, and Bill Madlock, the third baseman, and the rest is history. Um, that worked. There was uh, 
we can go on and on, you know. But now when Reggie Jackson was traded from Oakland to Baltimore, they didn't make the playoffs because of Reggie. Not when he went to New York, obviously. But again, what people don't understand, there's so much. A free agent's one thing because you end up going there because you want to. But when you are, um, I know Lee Mazzilli, one of my favorite, favorite players of all time. When he loved, he's from Brooklyn. When he was with the Mets, he was a matinee idol. You know, they weren't a very good team. But, you know, he was a good-looking guy who did well. And then he had kind of one off year in 81 during the strike year. And he got traded that year. He went to Texas. A Brooklyn kid playing for the New York Mets going to Texas didn't work. Now, he would say now that maybe his attitude wasn't as good as it should have been. But it was, a, the new, again, the newness of it. And he, he just didn't maybe at the time handle it as well as he would have maybe if he was a little bit older. I know me, whenever I left Quaker Valley High School as, a, as a, an assistant coach to go to Penn State Beaver as an assistant coach, and that's just right down the road. Right. It was wow. It was, but new. it's the surroundings. It's right. the surroundings. It's, everything is different. It's new people, new, new location, people. and and I think so. For folks, again, business, sports, school doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. I think the bottom line is you're going to take someone and you're putting them into a different element, and you have to understand that there is going to be natural stress. Now, and some it's people okay. might be right, but some people <clears> might be like, I can't wait to start this job. Yeah. But even the, even still, there's still a and, and I almost think in a weird way there might even be a little more stress in that because now you're like. I'm where I want to be, and I really don't want to screw this up. You know, think about, you know, you kind of mentioned that big contract. But let's just say I apply for a job, and I say, you know what, I've always wanted to be a graphics designer. And lo and behold, somebody hires you, gives you a great salary, and you think, okay, there's a confidence that says, I can do this, I can do this. But in the back of your mind, you might be thinking, hey, listen, this is the dream job. I do not want to blow this. And then whether it's conscious or subconscious, you know, there's going to be this little bit of stressing. Now, I don't want to screw up. Even mm -hmm. if I'm happy where I want to be, love the people around me, great salary, everything's right. Oh, boy, don't screw this up. Um, and, I, and I think that applies, you know, there's always going to be something when you change anything in your life, there is an element of stress, whether it is a negative stress or could even be a positive stress, like you're excited. You know, I, I recently transitioned to a full-time position here at RMU. Mm -hmm. I am excited. But I'll tell you what, there's also requirements now as a full-time that I didn't have as a part-time. And now I'm like, uh-oh, now I'm not on this temporary contract. Now it's like, hey, if you don't do these <laughs> things, right. you know, now they can get you. Yeah. And, you know, now it, it kind of changes the, yeah. the dynamics a little bit. because, and, and, But yet, I know the landscape. I've been here for years. I've been teaching for, for a but decade. But you're comfortable with being uncomfortable. I probably am just because of the 20 years in the military has definitely got – to that point, the military, you're constantly moving. So moving yeah, is yeah. your norm. It's almost like I can't sit still somewhere too long. It's like, oh, boy, I'm bored. Now I've been here conquered. I'm not used to staying here so many years. So, in fact, coming back to Pittsburgh is the longest I've lived anywhere since I was left Pittsburgh back when I was 18 years old. Mm. Been here 10 years now. It's been the longest. because I've, I've never stayed anywhere in the military more than four years except for Virginia. And even then, so I retired. So it wasn't retired. a big deal for you? No, in fact, yeah, moving is almost to. like I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting for it. But now that I'm not moving so much, in a weird way, that brings a different stress level. It's like there's no escape. There's no hey, I don't like it here. I'm going to move in two years. Don't worry. But in the military, you always knew good, bad, or indifferent. Two to three years, you're gone. You're mm -hmm. moving somewhere else. New command. My, you might get lucky and stay in the same geographic area, so you don't have to move out of your house. But you're going to a new command, new boss, new supervisors, new coworkers. It's going to change. So that, that, that's a great point with me. Yes, I wanted to 
worked in professional baseball. Uh, one quick story, years ago in 96 or 97, winter of 96, I had an offer to coach a minor league ball club. And I was so excited. They, they thought of me, they contacted me. And I talked to him over the phone, great, third, three finalists, I was one of the three. I go up there, the day before the interview, I'm watching this, I'm watching TV, and they did a piece on this organization. And I said, geez, I don't know if I wanna work for this guy. You know, I don't know if I wanna live away from where I wanna live, and all this kind of stuff. And the next day, I, I, that night, I said, I don't want this job. I, I, I wasn't comfortable being uncomfortable. And maybe I should have tried a little bit harder. But anyway, I go to the interview, Best interview I ever did. Best interview I ever gave. And I, I left that office. I said, damn, I'm going to get this job. And I don't want it, right? <laughs> but then I didn't get it. They gave it to this uh, former major leaguer. But, um, yeah, like I said, it's – and for me, I what you just said about bouncing around, I, as people know, I've lived in the same house now for 59 years, okay? Uh, I, I like my life. I Jim, hope it's paid off. Oh, yeah, thankfully. <laughs> uh, Jim Valvano used to say, don't mess with happy. I've had different opportunities to coach professionally in Italy, here in the States, Puerto Rico, all over the place, and I've turned them down. They were for some pretty good money. And, but why did I turn it down? Wouldn't have been happy. Right. I didn't like the Never chase around. the money. I try and tell people that. I, and you know me, I'm in the money. Uh, yeah, but, but Don't chase I would the money. Not have, I would not have liked moving my daughter to this place and my wife and daughter here for two years. Then let's say I do well. You get promoted, you go there for one year. Now somebody else the, might be calling you. And now how about if you get do? fired, then what? Well, that's right. That's so why I, I, never, I never chased the money in my life. Yeah. In fact, I left the job that paid far more right. to come to you because I said, you know what? I want to be happy. I mean, I tell you something. Unhappiness is going to find you. You cannot escape it. It's all about how you deal with it. you got to just get used there to life. It's a roller coaster ride. Yeah. So that good time. So every time you say, I'm happy. Okay, that's fine. But just be cool, to put it in 70s terminology, mm -hmm. just be cool with the roller coaster is going to go down. You're going to be unhappy for a while. But don't chase. Don't chase. Like you said, ride out to happiness. And I want to I kind of like my final advice I would give to anybody listening. There's going to be a point in your life where things are going to change. <laughs> You're not the only one that's dealing with that stress. The people that, the people that are around you that used to their normalcy – you know, whether you're the new student coming into the class, whether you're the new employee, whether you're the new the player, the other side has to get used to you. At the same time, if you're the person that's bringing in the new employee, the new player, the new student, you have to appreciate the fact that they're, they're, it's new for them. They have to get used to this, and they're under some stress, and you're under some stress, and everybody has to see things from both sides. Right. And that's just <laughs> the one thing that we just do not do well, is we don't look at things from the other person's point of view. So the new, whatever it is, the new boss, maybe they've been sitting at that desk for 20 years and you're the new employee. Yeah, you gotta look at it from their point of view. Maybe you just replaced somebody that had been working there for 12 years and they were good friends and then that person retired. Hey, they gotta get used to you. They gotta get to know you. So they have a little bit of anxiety on their side. And at the same time, the boss sitting at the table says, well, this person's gotta come in and he's got to fill the shoes of somebody that's been in here. And, you know, i got to respect that. I got one, one kind of final thought. I'll, I'll do it from a military days. You, you know, anytime you talk to veterans, and I had, I had the same experience. Whenever you're with an organization and you get that cohesiveness, and all of a sudden somebody leaves, a new person comes in. Mm -hmm. The new person is not like, oh, welcome aboard. It's kind of like, ah, eh, they're the FNG. Mm -hmm. You know what the F stands for? And the N stands for new guy or NG, new guy. So they have a new guy. It is hard to not be the FNG. Oh, yeah. And I remember that term goes all the way back. And you go up to, especially when combat guys will tell you, they've got this cohesiveness. 
Something happens, they got to bring in the replacements. The replacements are, oh, thank God you're here. It's like, you understand who you're replacing? And so that is with anything. Do you know who you're replacing? And to the person, that person coming in has to now live up to the person that left. So I would hope that my advice would be, whether you are have been there for a long time, appreciate the fact the person coming in is going to have their stress. And when you're the person coming in, you're going to be stressed. That's normal. But appreciate the fact that that person now has to figure out how to learn who you are. Right. So Again, communication. But <clears throat> Absolutely. 1,000%. When, when I went, my dad got sick, so I, I stayed around here after I graduated college or high school in 82, and I went to Community College Beaver County. I was intimidated. I was intimidated by Community College Beaver County, big time. My daughter just graduated from Pitt. I dropped her off a couple, you know, four years ago. She blended right in. She was mature. It didn't bother her. I mean, it did not bother her at all. She performed in front of hundreds of thousands of people for the color guard. It didn't bother her. Me, I, I let my emotions get to me at the time as a, what, 17-year-old, 18, yeah, 17, soon to be 18-year-old. And I didn't... Um, say to myself, this is just a moment. Relax. Everything's going to be fine. I, I made a bigger deal out of it than what it was. I tell my players, what, you have enough pressure at school. This isn't going to be pressure. This is going to be fun. Work hard. I'm here if you need something. I try to make it as good as I can. But what I tell anybody who's going into a new job or a new team or a new atmosphere, again, even like us three here with Joe Hill, our producer, yourself, the first time that we did a show, you know, Joe didn't know us. We didn't know him. We didn't. You and I didn't know each other a whole lot. He's we very talked. comfortable with swearing at us off camera. Now, yeah, no. But but then we we got used to each other, and now we can kind of joke and stuff right. like. So it'll happen. Maybe not at first. Maybe not the first week. So, and then it will. Everything's fine. But you have to. Paulie Malinaji, the two-time world champion boxer, we hope to get on one of our shows. Uh, he said that you have to remember these things are just moments. Life's life is a bunch of moments. They don't. It's not. You're, all, you're not always going to be nervous. You're not always going to be uncomfortable. Right. You know, just get through it. And and I know I, I I'm a hypocrite because I didn't do it back then. And even now, but you learn. I learned. And even now, you know, there's there's new things that that life is. What do they say? One thing that doesn't change is that things always change. Is that, is that I word that right? Yeah, that's right. And, um, and it's hard. You know, like I said, I love stability. Some people don't believe it or not, but I love stability. And when things kind of go off of that, that thing, even though all the jobs I do, that's just my stability. But I tell my players or new students or new employees, it's, it's okay to be nervous. It's okay to be a little bit scared. It's okay to worry a little bit. Just Try to get better. Try to get better. Read books. Listen to podcasts. You know, meditate, pray, whatever it is. I know I've done those things, and and eventually, you know what? You you get through it. And again, it's just a moment. It's just a moment. Yeah, like I said, I, I, no matter what side of the desk you're on, yeah, just try and matter. be cognizant. Both yeah. of you have a feeling on. I tell you one one final thing. You know, one of the courses I teach here at RMU, uh, my entire student is international students. Mm. First class, some of them had literally just arrived like a week before class started. First time in America. How do you think they felt? Yeah, exactly. They're just figuring out, I'm away from, I'm away from not just my family, my country. Yeah. I'm in a foreign country. I'm starting in a new university, a different type of school system. I don't know anybody here. I'm just trying to, I mean, what I did first day, I told them, relax, calm, it's going to be all right. You know, if you've got problems, call me. I tried to talk about some local place they can eat. Try to make them feel at home, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, 
And that's what anything you're doing, whether it's the team, you know, whether you're in the military, you know, whether you're in a business, life, school, whatever. <laughs> if you, you know, if you're going to be spending time with that person, get to know that person. Yeah. Whether you're the boss, whether you're the subordinate, get to know that person as much as you, as much as is feasible, as much as you can, and it yeah. will improve things. Because to your point. It breaks down some walls, break down the walls, makes right. communication a little right. better. But communication's a little better, then you can work a little more effectively and you can get that person being more productive sooner. And ultimately, from a business perspective, that is the end game, production. Right. And you're not going to get it when people don't want to talk to each other, when they don't know each other, when they're standing in a corner, you know, and they're picking their nose because they don't know what to do, when the boss don't want to talk to them. You just lose something. So. That's right. Get to know each other, communicate, communicate, and always appreciate that the other person on the other side of the desk has stress as well. That's so. right. Well, we hope you enjoy our show. And don't forget about our other show, Italian Impact Weekly. Check us out on italianimpactweekly.com. And uh, please continue to send your great questions and comments to questions at italianimpactweekly.com or at my email, rosano16msn.com. My show, Claudio Rosano Show, and some other stuff, my book and all that, you can go to my website, claudiorosano.com. But this show is very important to us. We, we really want to have impact on you. We share our stories as we did today. I don't think there's anything else out there like this. So tell your family and friends about it. Please continue to listen and uh, continue to tune in. And uh, as always, thank you, Mom and Pop. Thank you for listening to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Tune in next week for more impactful business and life experiences with Claudio and Steve.